Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hello and welcome to Tech Radio in association with Fidelity Investments. We are the number one Irish tech podcast bringing you news in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember you can hear Tech Radio on air with RTE Friday evenings or anytime you like using your favourite Apple, Google or Spotify podcasting apps. If you're on Apple by the way do leave us a five star rating if you can. We also keep you up to date daily with all things tech with hourly updates and daily newsletters which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. The programme is kindly sponsored by Fidelity Investments, who are now hiring for tech roles right here in Ireland. You can apply at fidelityinvestments.ie to virtually join a global leader in fintech innovation from the safety of your own home. Their website again, fidelityinvestments.ie. My name is Dusty Rhodes and this is episode 826, where we are saying congratulations to Dublin-based Grafton Architects, who have won the 2020 Pritzker Prize. It's the first time that two women have shared what is regarded internationally as architecture's highest honour. Grafton Architects caught our attention a long time ago as they've had some great ideas on how to make our world low carbon at street level. So with Extinction Rebellion in mind, increases in carbon tax and of course the Green Party playing a significant part in our new government, we thought this week would be a great opportunity to replay our interview from last year with founder Yvonne Farrell from Grafton Architects who spoke to our editor Niall Kitson at the Live Electric conference at the Mansion House in Dublin. One of the central ideas you talked about today was the idea of the Earth as a client. Now, our listeners will be very used to the, the idea of pushing the user at the centre of the website experience, pushing the patient at the centre of the, the healthcare experience. So when you're looking at this sort of level of pushing the Earth at the centre of the experience, what do you mean by that? Grafton Architects, our discussion is really uh, saying that yes, you have a client who wants a project, yes, you have users who will use the building, but beyond beyond that and encompassing all of that is that we build buildings on this earth, that the earth is a, a, a fragile entity, let us say, and that in the end, how we use resources, the materials we decide to use in the building, how you maintain it, how you heat it, how you cool it, all those things are long term, so that effectively we're actually building into the earth's core. Or, well, not literally, but on on this fragile. We're doing a, a project with uh, with uh, some of our students at the moment, and we've called it uh, below, uh, on, above, part of, because those prepositions are really describing how you anchor a building into the ground, how you make a space on the ground, how you protect yourself either from sun or from rain, and how things change over time. So the earth, when we say the earth as client, it's really a shorthand to say everything connects with everything everything else, resources, maintenance, pleasure, the beauty of a rising sun or a setting sun, all those things are intertwined. So we have to be wider than just, you need something, I can do it for you. As architects, we can build you something. The agenda is really the professional responsibility to be uh, at, at a global level. You talk about your work using very elemental language there. Um, I know one of the pro- projects that you're working at at the moment is the new library in Parnell Street in the, in the new cultural quarter, uh, where you've talked about light washing over everything as, as it comes in. To what extent does the use of materials and the use of, say, available sunlight and available conditions inform your designs? For, 
for us in Grafton Architects, light is one of the most important free gifts, if you like, of, of the earth. And that every place on the earth has its own particular quality of light. And zenithal light, light from above, is really very beautiful. Also, it's very intense that you can have a, a much smaller opening in the, to the sky and will give you the same kind of uh, uh, um, amount of light as a much larger uh, window on the vertical because of the sky factor. But also it's very pleasurable. So for us in the Parnell Library, what, what this, this comes from, if you like, interpreting the Georgian. The Georgian, that whole area of Parnell Square was really a pleasure garden. And when we were uh, looking at the, the, the need for the library, the need for uh, um, uh, modifying uh, the 18th century houses, but also providing a new a new 21st century library, we we took the, the ability of 21st century structure to hold gardens high in the sky, in the same way as Georgians had gardens raised on man-made land, that we would have light coming in between the cracks, between these two structural, or these uh, number of structural uh, elements, which are both are both structural and circulation. They're holding fantastic rooms high up in the sky, and between those are cracks of light which allow uh, special uh, daylight to come uh, to animate the space below. So when you enter, you pass the 18th century buildings, you move into a space which has uh, zenithal light which is being modified uh, all through the day, and the pleasure of daylight. I mean, all through the work um, of this project is really... Uh, encouraging people to enjoy the, the, the ordinary things of life, which are good daylight, uh, the wind, uh, nature, going back to the issue of the earth as client. The earth is a very pleasurable place. We now know our resources have to be, if you like, uh, consciously used uh, for the protection of, uh, of uh, uh, or for the reaction to climate change. But in the Parnell project, it's really that we open up a space for the, uh, for the reader, for the child, for the visitor that brings beautiful light into the interior of a city block. Similarly, when we talk about architecture and very much sort of at the high end, people have this uh, opinion that it's outlandish buildings sitting in very ordinary spaces drawing attention to themselves. That's not something you sought to uh, accomplish with the ESB project. No, uh, I don't. Um, architecture can be quite subtle. It doesn't have to stand on its head uh, to to make a statement. Architecture, architecture, for us, for the ESB uh, project, uh, working together with O'Mahony Pike, the the, the 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 sense of the street, the fact that we're on one of the longest Georgian streets in the world, that for us to reinstate the streetscape, that the vertical surface, the four-story sur- uh, surface to the street was the first thing. That a number of entrances was something that was really important in the Georgian way. Like one of the things when when the 16 houses vanished in the 1960s, uh, people kind of instinctively uh, lost that kind of rhythm. When you're passing Georgian houses between 8 and 10 and 7 and a half metres, there's a rhythm of the doorway, the steps, then there's the windows, the rhythm of the doorway, the steps. It's a type of, it's like a, a piece of Bach. You're actually walking past a rhythm. And for many people, that rhythm was lost. And the previous building that's now gone uh, by uh, uh, Sam Stevenson, that had one entrance. And one of the main kind of critiques of that building, which wasn't a bad building at all, was that it only had one entrance and that the areas were gone. What is really, what we hope will be a real pleasure for the citizens of Dublin working with ESB is that we have reinstated a number of entrances. We've made a new uh, pedestrian walkway through. We've made the areas in front and we've woven landscape into the 
into the into the in, into the story. So the uh, the ESB hopefully will have uh, their new headquarters, but also they'll have given something back to the to to the city, so that there's an element of pleasure, both in terms of the beautiful brick that's. Uh, 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 you know, took a long time to find and to choose. It's uh, 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 so there's landscape, there's uh, high quality brick um, and high quality workmanship in the in the building. And when you're talking about sort of the story of a place or the natural rhythm of a place, um, it does lend that sort of feeling of architecture as being sort of a cultural product. So, what other project projects did you work on where where you went? Okay, here's something natural to this environment or natural to this part of the world. Let's build upon it. We're just finishing a project in Toulouse in France uh, at the moment. And uh, when we were doing a competition for that, we were really intrigued. Toulouse is, is called the, the, the Vieux Rose, the, 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 the red city. It has these beautiful, beautiful bricks. So we felt that it was very important in our competition entry, which won, uh, that we would use natural brick. And we found close to Toulouse a factory that still made the bricks in the same way as it would have been done in medieval times. And in uh, French tradition at the moment, in building construction methods at the moment they use these plaquettes which are like brick tiles which are not the same as a, as a real brick having its own um, uh, if you like sense of weight and uh, craft so we hope that someday you're going to have a look at this building which will be open fairly soon but what we feel that it has achieved it has it, you feel the craft of that area you feel the history of it as well as being a contemporary building there's this duality that architecture has one foot in the past but also is is a contemporary expression of culture and also lives on to the future. One of the things that we've sort of bounced back and forth on so far is the is materials, their availability. You mentioned the red brick was very hard to, to source for the Fitzwilliam Street project. To what extent is the availability of materials becoming a problem? Um, I don't know whether it's it's uh, it's becoming a problem. I do think that within the architectural world and other worlds, that you're really looking at uh, the accountability of each project of each material. Now, you're at, uh, we're doing a project with students where we're, we're reducing the, the the three materials to be uh, water, glass, and and wood. And we're, uh, as I said earlier on, that glass is you know made of sand, and sand is a, becoming more and more as a precious commodity. Sand is used in concrete as well. We're, we're really looking, I suppose we're at a stage now where we're actually trying to audit in our own minds the kind of uh, uh, responsible choosing of materials so that it actually becomes not a kind of a moral imperative but it becomes something on um, it, when you're when there's a discussion about what materials might be in a building, you you are trying to edit out ones that are uh, that have been proven dangerous. When you think of historically, people would have used uh, the um, asbestos unknowingly, and then you realise that that is a that is a health issue. People don't use materials, you know. Um, knowingly and that, that caused damage. But I think when we make the audits of buildings now, I think all of us within the profession need to try and describe what its source is, what its kind of carbon footprint is, what we, that we make a, 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 
we make choices informs choices. It's not always easy because you know there are decisions that have to be made very quickly, and sometimes you. you uh, I'm sure there are lots of buildings around the world that are, the choices could have been better if there was either more time or more information available. And also, buildings take a while, like buildings that you see coming up out of the ground. Uh, but you know, if you, go, if you retrace your steps in terms of the time to get to that contract, to get to that time, you're you're actually kind of maybe it could have been five years, you know, since the the choices of materials were actually made. So it's it's a slower. It's like the slow food movement. Uh, making a building is a slow process. There's a lot of people involved, a lot of choices, a lot of uh, uh, planning issues, there's a lot of money involved. So the decisions sometimes can be you know, years behind where the current thinking is. One of the examples that you used in your presentation of kind of an unfortunate development uh, in architecture when it comes to climate change is how New York has involved to make its parts part of a, a buffer uh, against uh, extreme weather. Are you seeing more of this uh, either across Europe or internationally generally that cities are being looked at with a view to dealing with extreme weather events? Yes, and I think what's really, really important is that uh, the point I suppose I was trying to make is that as these extreme weather events are going to happen, that uh, rather than it being an engineering uh, problem that has to have an engineering solution, that that engineering and architecture and uh, um, thinking about the possibility of every project having a cultural component. What's good about that project in Manhattan uh, by big is that, yes, it deals with, uh, um, if you like, storm surges, but also when that's not happening, it's actually a, a linear series of linear parks. And one of the people that in the 16, that, that exhibition that's on in, in Carlo, in, in, in the exhibition uh, space in Carlo, uh, Close Encounter, one of those is representing uh, Olmsted. And Olmsted was a brilliant uh, North American uh, um, uh, designer because uh, in his case he was able to take say the city of Buffalo and uh, solve the problem of sewage, water uh, but collecting uh, putting together uh, water grass and trees, he socialized infrastructure. So the point your question, what's interesting about your question is that when we have problems to solve, they have the potential also to have a cultural component and that's really a, a plea to, to say to, um, to people that when we have a problem with flooding, it's not just a matter of keeping the sea out. There are, like, say, the mango. It's interesting. The mango, when the mango trees uh, were taken away from many, I, my understanding of, say, the delta in, in uh, New Orleans, that mango trees, by their nature, uh, if you like, reduce the impact of storms. But when they're taken away because of development, you get uh, you get that buffer removed and you get places more vulnerable. The same is true in Ireland that uh, in, in, in Irish the word cluan means kind of flooded meadow, like cluan macnoise, cluan. And when you see that word in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the name of a place it should warn you that that's really an area that floods in the winter time and is a meadow in the, in the summer and yet we're building on many of those places and wonder why the, if you like the flooding issue is pushed further down river or uh, pops his head up in other places you know they you need you need to deal with nature in a in a practical and uh, thorough thorough way and that was Niall Kitson chatting with Yvonne Farrell from Grafton Architects who have just won the 2020 Pritzker Prize in Chicago. 
That's it for our show this week. Thank you for listening and also to our sponsor, Fidelity Investments, who are currently hiring for tech roles in Ireland. You can apply now at fidelityinvestments.ie to virtually join a global leader in fintech innovation from the safety of your own home. Their website, fidelityinvestments.ie. Remember, you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website, techcentral.ie or listen to us each week online or Fridays on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio and Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall, thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.